Hello, this is Abby. Dear Abby, this is gonna be a long one. Oh boy. Dear Abby, how do you tell the difference between a new exciting crush and a rebound? Does it matter? Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Welcome to our little corner of the internet. This is the Dear Abby podcast. I hope you stay and hang out with us. See you in a sec. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Dear Abby. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let me take a sip of water. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I hope everyone's having a great week so far, and it's Thursday, so it's so close to the weekend, baby. Now that I have a normal job, 9 to 5, it's kind of nice to be able to enjoy the weekend a little bit more because I'm immediately out of breath. I'm immediately out of breath. Do I not talk to anyone all day or something? How come when I start recording my podcast, I legitimately cannot breathe? Yep, just immediately out of breath every single time I record. I'm not pregnant. Um, everyone's pregnant, but I'm not pregnant. And I just think that I have two parts of my ribs that are digging into my lungs every single day, all day. So when I breathe, it's like they don't expand all the way. That's all. Um, actually, fun fact about that. When I went to the doctors forever ago, um, I told the doctor that my like family physician that I had seen a couple of times when I was going through my anxiety thing, I told her about my rib thing because I legitimately have, I don't know what they're called. They're like, um, overlapping. That's like basically extra pieces of rib, I think, or something. This could be so wrong. Two extra pieces of ribs that are too close together. And so they like overlap each other and if I push on one like a little bit diagonally it it like pops over the other one and then if I do it to the other one then it pops back anyways and sometimes I feel like I can't get a full breath like in certain areas of my lungs because I feel like my ribs just go in I don't know if that's real but I know the popping thing is real because I can literally go like this you're not gonna be able to hear it I don't know if you can hear that but I try to do it ASMR style so maybe you heard it or maybe not but Anyways, I showed my doctor that and she just said, oh my gosh, I've never even seen that before. And then she said, so-and-so come here. And she got another nurse to come look at it. She's like, does it hurt? And I was like, well, it doesn't hurt. It's just kind of like weird. I feel like I can't breathe very well. It basically was just like show and tell because she had two of the other nurses come look at it and made me pop it, which, you know, that part doesn't really feel good because it's kind of like bone on bone. But yeah, it's just, it's just weird. It's really weird. So I don't know if that's a reason why I can't breathe very well when I talk, but also I just feel like maybe that's normal. There's no way that that's normal. Maybe I just really don't talk that much during the day. Because when I'm, I'm thinking when I'm talking to my boyfriend or when I'm talking to someone, I don't think I have to breathe this much. But there's something about podcasting that I feel like I become hyper aware of how I'm breathing and how I'm talking and everything. So a couple life updates, um, some funny thoughts, some dubs and L's is what we're going to get into, of course, like normal. And then we'll get into today. We're talking about imposter syndrome a wee bit. Um, also about social media posts, like black and white social media posts. And then we're getting into a Dear Abby, no frenemies. I did not get a lot of responses on that. People loved the frenemies. So that's a, kind of a bummer. But at the same time, also kind of nice for me because... Then I don't have to worry about it, but I don't, I don't know. We'll figure something out like that. Maybe I'll just need to have guests on more, but it's hard because I only have one microphone and I don't really have like a nice setup for guests yet. So once I get that set up, I feel like I'll have guests over. I'll have my sister on more. 
Yeah, who knows? Anywho, so let's get into the let's get into it. Couple things from today. Work is going better and I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing because it's just very you use your brain a lot, but also it's not like very social, which I kind of like and I just have my eyes glued to a computer. However, I'm realizing I probably need to get glasses because by the end of the day, I'm not kidding, I feel like I have vertigo and I'm looking at so much information on a spreadsheet all day that that just like the most boring nerdy thing you could do is like just I geek out on Excel pretty much all day and just ERP systems, just not very fun stuff, but I find it a little bit enjoyable. I just think it's cool that you can plug in certain things and it does what you want it to do. Anywho, um, I'm not coding though for my job. It's just more like data analysis and stuff like that. But when I was working today, I was on well okay I worked and then I was in the car on my way home and (laughs) and I was listening to what's up danger because I really like the movie spider wait what is it called the spider spider universe spider into the multiverse spider spider verse it's like the cartoon one or the animated I don't know which one I don't know what the difference is really but it's the it's that one. Oh my gosh into the spider verse um i love that movie i love the way that it's made i love the animation of it i love the vibes i love the music though i really liked the score of i don't know if you call that a score but i really liked all the music in that movie one of the songs like specifically i loved sunflower by post malone and the other the other guy sway lee or whatever but i really love what's up danger which is really weird because i'm like the least like i don't really i'm not an adrenaline junkie i actually don't really like danger necessarily i like taking risks but i don't like danger that's it's like those are two different things to me (laughs) anyways i was on my way home from a very nerdy job which is basically staring at data all day and organizing it pretty much just so not dangerous just the most not dangerous thing you could possibly do every single day is what I do and then I was on my way home listening to what's up danger which is like I like high chances that I might lose I like tall buildings so I can leap off of them so I was I was getting really into the music and then I realized how how stupid how just not real feeling I was getting was (laughs) not the feeling the feeling of like you know you just I felt so cool I felt like a like a bad a as some would say I was like oh I'm so cool and then and then I just was thinking what I've been doing all day is just sitting in an office job looking at excel and like just not cool at all then I felt a little bit silly I feel I finished listening listening to the song of course because it was a good song and I still like to listen to that even if that's not actually my life but you know, it made me feel like like punk. It made me feel cool for a second. And then the next song came and I just looked at the sunset and uh, drove home. But it, I just thought it was funny. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing with this song? What am I doing with this song? And I, I just was picturing in the movie, Miles, I think is the, the kid's name, like literally jumping off buildings and he's Spider-Man. And I used to play Spider-Man when I was a kid. Well, like a teenager and kid growing up a lot on the xbox it was like a game that you can you basically could swing through new york city 
And I, that was like my favorite game. That game to me, from my recollection, recollection was like way beyond its years because that's a game that you would play now. And I, I like was obsessed with that game. I need to see if there's like a newer version of that game because I would 100% play that on my PC. Uh, but I love that game. And so that's what I was thinking as if I was actually Spider-Man. I was having all these imagination, imaginative uh, storylines in my head of me being Spider-Man. And then I came back in my car and I was like, wait, what the heck am I doing? That's fun though. I daydream all the time. I feel like with a lot of mental illness, you have like a very, really crazy imagination, which is really nice for a lot of things. So makes it life fun, but also on the opposite end, it's like, because I think of things so vividly, it does make it so when I think of bad things, it's very vivid as well. So there's pros and cons. And then I was thinking like, so dubs from this week are, I think I'm just getting more situated with work like it's just more I'm more relaxed I'm not as stressed about like the social aspect um I'm more familiar now with what I'm doing my boss everything so it just feels less it just feels normal now which is really nice so that's definitely a dub and then an L I would say is honestly I can't really think of any L's and I couldn't think of when I was writing them down it's been like a pretty decent week the only thing I can think of which I don't know if I want to even call it an L because I did my best was I went to church and I only lasted like being there for the first hour and then um, not even the first hour, like the first 35 minutes. And I just could, I, I was trying so hard to stay because my anxiety and my OCD, well, my OCD was just going off the wall. Uh, I was disassociating really badly. I was trying not to, which makes it worse. And so I was like, well, then maybe I'll just lean into it. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I'm not exactly sure what to do because I feel like there's 1% of me that like can think rationally and the rest is just like alarm bells. So in that moment, I just kept sitting there and I was like, okay, you know what? If everything just collapses in, I'll be then I'll handle it. I'll handle that when that happens. But right now I'm okay. And then I started to focus on like the lighting in the church, which sometimes it drives me crazy, the lighting. And so when I'm looking like at the pulpit and the lights, I'm like, I got to get out of here. I'm so anxious. But I stayed for so much of it until the point where I'm like, I legitimately like, I just need to get out of here and just sit for a little bit and just get my composure because I was definitely not with some exposures, I feel like it's a little bit too much where I'm like, I actually don't think this is helpful. I think this is just making me worse. I think I need to like take it down and like just go read a scripture or something instead of, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'm figuring it out, but that was definitely an L that kind of stunk because I just went home and was sad. Oh, I posted a video. If you saw my Instagram, if you don't follow my Instagram, then you didn't see it. But, and I posted on my YouTube, a video of my sister and I playing zombies as I promised a while ago and then I'm I'm editing right now the one that me and my brother like the um not among us what is it called lethal company me and my brother playing I'm editing that one so I'll post that but I got a lot of messages saying that I should post not messages there's comments saying that I should like people want to see more content of that which I will try to it's really hard to play with Chelsea because she is a mom and will be a mom of two soon. So I'm really trying to figure out how I would possibly get her to play with me, but we'll see. So I will try for you guys, but it's mostly just me and I'm not as funny normally. So Chelsea was really funny. She was making me pee my pants when I was editing that. She was really on one that night. The last life update is just that I have gone to the gym like twice at a new gym 
that I get basically for free for my work. So it's nice. That's it. I just am extremely sore and I barely did anything, but I bought a program because I really don't want to have to use any of my brain power to create a program for myself. I'd rather just pay someone. And so that way, because by the end of the day, my brain is like, I can't think of anything anymore. So I just don't want to have to think about what I'm going to do. I just want to show up and have it done for me and then I can just be mindless and do it. So I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome because I think this is something everyone struggles with. Everyone talks about too. It's not like it's no one talks about imposter syndrome, but here are some things that I, the way that I think about imposter syndrome and the way that I've overcome it most of the time, I'd say 95% of the time, I don't even worry about that anymore. Uh, But I know that there's a lot of people who probably struggle with this and it doesn't have to be on a huge scale. It can even be just, uh, you don't feel like you can go to the gym because you feel like everyone else is more deserving to be there or everyone else like kind of owns it and you like aren't able to take any space or presence up at places you go to. That could also just be all it is or it can even be something like you are starting a new job or you're trying to be an artist or a filmmaker and because you make so many mistakes and things aren't looking good and all of these things you feel like you aren't supposed to be doing that or you're not allowed to be doing it or you can't take up space in that part of the world or in that industry or whatever it is. So that's also what I'm speaking to. Okay, you guys, I am feeling very, very excited and emo because this podcast is now made possible by No CD. You guys have heard me talk about No CD a million times in my podcast. I did therapy there. I go to support groups still to this day, and it's been such a huge part of my recovery journey. I couldn't be more excited about this partnership with them. No CD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. No CD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention therapy, which is a gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists from anywhere inside or outside the U.S. It's affordable, and they accept most major insurance plans, so getting help has never been easier. NoCD therapy goes beyond sessions. It includes in-between session support, where you can message your therapist anytime, access therapeutic tools, and get support from a community of peers who are overcoming OCD right in the NoCD platform. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. Visit NoCD.com today and book a free 15-minute call with their care team, many of whom have also experienced OCD. If you think you may be struggling with OCD, there's always hope. Now is the time to regain your life. Visit NoCD.com today. So let's start with the first thing, which is just if it's hard for you to take up space, um, at somewhere that's maybe a new place or it's work or just somewhere more casual that's not really a passion it's just like just day-to-day small things obviously take notice of it and just bring maybe some more awareness to when you feel like you shrink for example the gym I hate reading the instructions on the gym machines yeah I don't know there's just a lot of different things and places that I feel really uncomfortable at when I'm taking up any space or Like if I'm trying to do something on a certain machine and no one's on the machine, but someone's kind of close, like I feel like I'm annoying if I try to get on the machine or something like that. So I've just started to get on the machine and obviously be not rude about it, but also just like I'm paying for this or I'm, 
you know, I have just as much access to this and I deserve just as much access to this as you guys. Not deserve. I don't really love the word deserve because I do feel like if you use it too much, you become a little bit entitled. It's just okay to take up space at a place that you're paying for or even just in life in general in small in these small ways. So another example I can think of is like if you are going to, this is what I'm talking about, okay? If you're going to a coffee shop and if you have an issue with looking for a plug, this is really niche. If you don't like to look for an outlet or a plug or a place where you can plug in your laptop charger and you just let your laptop die and then you just go home or something, that's because I've done that before when my tendencies to just not want to be any inconvenience to anyone ever or to just be seen in general, period. Uh, So I would just leave knowing that I could have just easily looked for a plug and maybe ask someone to move like their leg for a second while I plug it in or if it's okay if I plug this in. Uh, So my advice is just to find the plug, find the outlet at the coffee shop and plug your freaking laptop in or your iPad, whatever it is. They're there for you to use. And same thing with a a gym machine, whatever, weights, whatever it is. You are allowed to use whatever weights, whatever machine, as long as someone else is not literally currently using it and you're not like destroying property. If you're using it a normal way, maybe taking one equipment from one side to the next or to the other side of the gym, and then you're going to bring it back. And maybe that feels a little bit anxious. You get anxious by moving stuff around. Don't. Like all of that, you can use all of that. Obviously, some gyms have like strict rules about that stuff. But most of the time, I don't. no one cares. That's kind of the small scale, I think, of imposter syndrome. Or just, I don't even know how to, I don't know what the word is. Just not wanting to take up space or be an inconvenience maybe to anyone. Or have anyone. you just scared people will judge you. That's really it. You're just scared people will judge you. You're scared they'll you're doing something wrong, um, like it's bad etiquette or something. Just trust yourself. You know good etiquette. Just be nice, kind. Also, plug in your freaking laptop at the coffee shop. A couple more reminders of different things that you can do. If if like if you genuinely struggle with this and it, it impedes just like Things like that where you go home because you didn't want to look for a plug and plug it in because you didn't want to annoy someone, which to remind you, that's not going to annoy anyone and whoever it actually does annoy, like they're, they're doing, they have their own thing. So just be a little bit compassionate and be like, okay, well, you know what? I annoyed them. I did annoy them. I actually did annoy them and I'm still okay. Again, I'm not saying ever to be rude. You should always be kind (laughs) and sweet and whatever, but also you can be more assertive. So If you're bad at this, or if this is just something you haven't practiced, or you're like, maybe I should start to take up a little bit more space, uh, there's a couple small things that you can do just to start almost like exposing yourself to the uncomfortable feeling of being like, oh my gosh, what if this person judges me? Or what if this is an, an annoying thing to do? Or here's a couple things. The first thing is what I said, obviously, plug your laptop in at the coffee table or at the coffee shop, look around, maybe ask someone, Hey, can I, sorry, can I, can you move your leg while while I plug this in? If you're at the gym, there's a couple things. I think a gym is, the gym is a big one. A lot of people don't like going to the the gym for those reasons. 
If you're doing a workout on your phone and you're scared that people judge you or think you shouldn't be at the gym because you're not a personal trainer who doesn't know every single exercise in the perfect way and the perfect form to do it. If you're scared people will think that, turn your brightness all the way up, baby. If you're watching a YouTube video or if you're using an app that has someone working out or something, turn it all the way up, your brightness all the way up. And don't be, that's like an ex, you can use that almost like, again, to expose yourself to being like, I'm scared people will judge. And then I promise you, you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is not that big of a deal. And maybe they are judging you. When, when you do certain things like this, it's not to say no one will judge you. No one cares about you because I understand that. And I think most of the time that is true, but sometimes there are people who might judge you. There are people who might judge you and like, so what? That's also like, who cares? Another thing is to read very visibly, make it so obvious that you're reading the instructions on a machine. Make it so obvious that you're reading the instructions that say, hold your hands like this, pull it down to your chest, whatever it is, make it obvious that was your first time ever using that machine. And just sit with that. And and it's going to be, I promise you, it's going to be okay. <laughs> This is from someone who I never wanted to be like, I did not want any attention on me. I, I had my phone brightness down. I had, I, I was so scared of being seen anywhere. And it's not even about now I want people to look at me. It's just more about, I don't care if people do look at me or not. Like I'm here to get a good workout in and to feel better so that the rest of my day I can feel accomplished and I can feel tired when I go to bed and you know, also to just heal my brain a little bit and my mental state of constantly worrying about what other people are thinking about me um, and kind of shifting my gaze away from just being inward and more just outward experiencing life. And sometimes I still go back into certain things and I'm not perfect at this and it's a practice, but again, like it is a practice. So it might be more uncomfortable and then eventually you might be like, I don't even care about this anymore which is great. Another thing that maybe this little piece of I'm scared what people think of me shows up for me, especially it's when I'm in a group of people with friends, with whoever it is. Usually when I'm with a bunch of girlfriends that I don't know super well, I get really, really anxious and you would never know because I'm very calm, but uh, internally I'm freaking out. So usually a good way to slowly kind of lean into your social anxiety and like the uncomfortable feelings and thoughts of they're judging me they don't like me that was a bad joke something you can do is maybe say something weird if you never want to talk because you're so scared of what people think just talk just say something and just sit with the thoughts that come after it. like that was so stupid you're so dumb of course like blah, blah, blah. all of those things just let them come and just be like okay I can actually handle this feeling I think that's all for the small imposter syndrome, scared people will judge you type of thing. And now I'm going to go into the bigger imposter syndrome, actual imposter syndrome. Uh, I am not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. This is just for my own life experience and things that I've researched, I've learned. Yeah. And mostly just my own personal experience uh, of having imposter syndrome when it comes to different aspects of my life. And what I did to let those feelings not take the lead uh, and how to experience with my art, with my podcast, with a bunch of different things, how to really let myself experience the joy of creating something. 
everyone talks about imposter syndrome. It's a very pop culture thing to talk about, uh, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist just because people talk about it. So it's still a very, very real thing and it can kind of show up in a million different ways in people. When I think of imposter syndrome, I think of not allowing yourself to feel like you're actually an artist or if you want to be a filmmaker, that you're not an actual filmmaker yet, that you can't say, I am an artist. I am a filmmaker. I am, I don't know, a, a coder, like so many different types of art or something that you create, or I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not a CEO. Well, okay. If you're not a CEO, you, you shouldn't, you can't say you're a CEO. More entrepreneur is what I'm thinking of. What I'm thinking of. It's being scared that you're going to be found out as you don't know everything about your art. You don't know everything about filmmaking. You haven't hit every tiny corner of the entire universe and don't understand everything about what you're doing. Like nobody does. Not even the greats of whatever they do. I promise you, they don't know everything about their art, what they do. They are always learning. When I started to paint... Uh, I was so bad and I'm still not really good, good. I'm not great. And I have so much more that I want to do with my art, but I started and I haven't stopped. And I just keep practicing and practicing and screwing up and screwing up and trying to make freaking eyes. But every time I make eyes and I've been doing it for years now, they just always turn out with the wrong emotion. The, the, they're always like mismatched. The, the, the face doesn't make any sense. I'm so, I can do bodies. I can do bodies. I can do, I can kind of do dimensions or just, I, I can kind of do a lot of things, but faces, I'm so bad at faces, um, specifically eyes. However, I still would call myself an artist. I genuinely believe that an artist or I don't know why I keep using an artist and a filmmaker, probably because my boyfriend likes to make videos and I like to do art. So that's just the first thing that first thing that pop into my head. But I genuinely believe that when you want to be an artist, what makes you an artist is how bad you are at drawing eyes or how bad you are at this when you start or even the middle like something that continuously happens that you keep failing at but then you keep trying to get better and better and better at it that's really where you become a master of something it's not that it happens naturally some people are naturally gifted with things which is incredible and that's a beautiful gift however when you want to do something that you're not naturally gifted at the practice and the hours and the fails and the trying again, all of that stuff is what makes you an artist, a filmmaker. My boyfriend went on a trip and he dropped his camera and it's like, that's such an amateur move. I promise you the greats do that. I like just because you failed at something or you messed something up or you forgot something, it doesn't mean that you're now not a photographer or now you're not a coder because you messed something up. It's like you that's part of just being what it is. So if you have a hard time just saying, I am this, like because you're not perfect at it or because you haven't made a billion dollars from it or you don't have a, a million people who recognize you as such, if you feel like you are that because it's in your heart, it's like painted on your heart, then you are that and you can embody that. And there's a lot of power that comes with that because then you start to feel like you can take up space in whatever industry it is. And there's a lot of different things that I used to have imposter syndrome with. The podcast is definitely one of them that I still kind of struggle with. But 
because I, I mess up on audio. I don't have really good video yet. I'm really bad with content. I'm bad at Instagram. I'm bad at TikTok. Like I, I'm not good at a lot of the things that what you would say like a podcaster may be good at or a content creator or something. But as a podcaster, because I've messed up a million times with audio, I've had to refigure out how to film. I had to refigure out how to take certain things out of my audio or I've had to redo like today if I'm, I'm having to redo the entire episode because I accidentally muted my mic mid episode. I could just be like, I'm not a podcaster because a podcaster wouldn't do this. However, I think every single person who's ever had a really good podcast has had a million of these mess ups before. So I'm not going to let that stop me. Just move forward and try not to mute my mic ever again. That was horrible. But here I am. That's really one of the most beautiful parts to me of whoever is like a master at their, oh my gosh, what is it called? It's not their art. It's like the master at, of their craft. Yeah, the master of their craft. I think that when I hear people's stories, when I hear how many times they sucked at something or how many times they failed or like uh, comedians, for example, they always fail. Like so many shows bomb, just no one thinks they're funny. And then eventually they like, they have certain people who think they're funny and then it just starts to grow and grow and grow. But then they more, more importantly, they become more comfortable with failing. They become more comfortable with people not liking them. They become more comfortable with people not really vibing with their types of jokes and judging them for it. And I think that's what kind of makes them a comedian is being able to handle everything that comes with that profession, which kind of leads me into something else I want to talk about with imposter syndrome getting better at whatever you are trying to create do not chase the outcome of your passions your hobbies the your dreams don't trade don't chase like the outcomes because that will always leave you deflated at least in my opinion in my experience every time I chase I have to have listeners for my podcast eventually I want to like do this and this and this and this and sure like when I have like that analytical side of me that stuff really has never fully fulfilled me. But when I don't care about that stuff at all, and I just want to talk openly about the human experience, and when I want to share and be kind and all of these things, I feel so much happier with my podcast. And I feel like I create better content and I'm just happier. Like if you're, you know, waiting for your break or whatever they call it for you to be happy finally with what your passion is or your dream you will most likely never, ever find it. You'll never find the happiness. You'll never find the joy within what you're doing. It's when you completely detach from the outcome of whatever you're doing and just be present with whatever you're creating is when I've felt the most joy. Another thing really fast is just not to do any type of, (laughs) I don't know how to say this. Like it's okay to do stuff for other people, obviously. But when it's something that you're creating from your heart, if you start to bend it and shift it so that it's more likable to everyone or you try to please everyone with it, you obviously won't find very much joy in that. And you'll start to like despise the people that follow you. You'll start to despise the people that like your art because you're like, this isn't really me. And I feel like I have to, I feel like I'm drowning in my artwork because and what I'm doing because I'm just doing it all for other people. When art is not supposed to be for other people's to lift you up, it's like just for you to do something that you're going to be proud of. That's hard, lets you 
speak what's on your heart, what's on your mind, or I don't know. And if it's not something like super artsy in the sense of like with your, you know, <laughs> like if you're a software develop developer, like that's not necessarily maybe something that's like, I want people to fill my heart, but maybe it is. I don't know. I That's not a dream of mine. So I have no idea what the, like you would feel, but just don't sell your soul pretty much. <laughs> that's so dramatic, but just don't, don't give up what's in your heart because it's not being accepted. Do what in your heart of hearts, do whatever you really feel like is a good, right, fulfilling thing to do. You can be proud of yourself and you have that capacity to be so proud of yourself and so happy with what you created, no matter who likes it and who doesn't like it, because you will like it. Usually when that happens and you really love what you're making, because you haven't switched to making it for other people, then normally people actually who are just similar minded will find you, you'll find each other and they'll love what you create or they'll understand why you create it. And then you can, you just meet people that actually are more like-minded and will protect your heart a little bit more. Sometimes an argument back to that, maybe in your own mind is like, but I, I, I need to make money from this. Understandably so. Maybe just start to practice how to compartmentalize. Okay, this is just for work. This is for me. This is for work. This is for me. Or if you want to get really serious about it, just, just quit. Stop doing it for other people and just <laughs> do a more simple job. Get paid a little bit less, but be a little bit happier. You know, let's do a Dear Abby and then we will round out this episode. Dear Abby, I love your podcast and I really appreciate you being honest and sharing your story and experience with OCD. I got diagnosed in 2022 and it's been so hard. It makes me feel like a horrible person who doesn't deserve love and good things in life. I feel you there. I've been there. I'm still there sometimes. I've been, I've always been pretty closed off and guarded about the idea of being in a relationship because of the feelings that OCD makes me feel. Do you have any advice on how to not allow those thoughts to be so loud and how to let go of the fear of somebody leaving because your OCD would be too much to handle for them? Thank you so much. Whiteheart. Okay, I can speak very closely to this one because I did have the experience of my OCD being too much for someone. So I think one way that I was able to let go of that fear is A, it actually happened to me and I realized I was actually okay even if that happened, because I learned how to have my own back no matter what. But I'm now with someone who my OCD has not been too much. He's probably been, through, my boyfriend now has probably been through more than what me and my ex-husband went through with my OCD um, in terms of how bad it can get and how depressed I am. I, I was actually pretty okay with my OCD, with my ex-husband. And, and the second I got it after like a couple of months, he was like, this is too much. Goodbye. And I know that's really scary to think about. And so sorry if that's like triggering, but I do think that is helpful just to, it's not certain, obviously. No relationship is certain. Even if you're so sure that someone would never leave you or that they won't abandon you, it is a possibility because that's just, that's, you can't control that. So I think just acknowledging that it's a possibility for me kind of quiets my OCD, just being like, yeah, it is possible. And I don't have to prove that it's not going to happen because it might happen. I don't know. However, right now with my partner, I trust him. 
and he's proven time and time and time again that he's not going to leave me because I'm not perfect or because I'm get depressed and that I can be kind of negative sometimes. He's proven time and time again that he's not going to do that. Maybe one day he will. I don't know. I can't control that. But right now I'm really happy. So I think stop trying to prove to your OCD that that's not going to happen because it's never going to be enough for your OCD. It's never going to be enough for that voice because it's always going to be like, well, what, what if this though? And what's the next thing? Um, so one thing is to not let the thoughts be so loud is obviously to not do any kind of compulsive ruminating about if there's signs that he's going to leave, if he's not going to leave, you know, stop kind of mentally maybe reassuring yourself. Don't know what your compulsions are, but a huge way to let go of that fear is to really start to be more comfortable with being uncomfortable and being alone. Um, I don't think you have to be like hyper independent when you have OCD because you're like, well, I don't need anybody because this is what I'm told to do. It's just like, I want to be alone. I need to be alone. It's more so just be okay that if you ended up someone leaving you, you can have your back. You can still experience so much joy, so much happiness alone. No, no, just have your just have your own back. And easier said than done, especially when you're experiencing OCD and a lot of depressive, self-loathing type feelings and thoughts. So a couple small reminders, just because I know what that's like to have OCD make you feel so yucky about things or make you feel things. There's no perfect relationship. Your thoughts and your feelings are not facts. Your thoughts, you're experiencing them. Your feelings, you're experiencing them. You're feeling them. But the idea and, and the thoughts that you associate with those things and the beliefs that you associate with those things, those are not facts. So don't trust every feeling. Don't trust every thought. And that takes a really long time to be able to feel like any type of mental clarity with OCD, but I, it is possible and it just takes a lot of work and a lot of really kind of putting your foot down and it, there's a lot of grit that goes into recovery because if you don't have the grit, it's probably not going to be, you're not going to feel better or be doing better anytime soon. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, no matter what, you're going to be okay. You can handle it. You can handle it. That's it for today's episode, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, you can leave a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. You can go hit like and subscribe to my YouTube channel and because I do post them on YouTube. Sometimes the videos don't work. I've said that a million times. Still trying to figure that out and hopefully we'll have a new setup soon. That is in the works. Thank you guys so much for listening, even though it can be a train wreck. I love you guys. Bye. Oh,